When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Tears of Price. This is episode 264.5, and this week I'm going to be diving into the stacks to talk about two memoirs by trans women you absolutely must read this pride. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelid. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players. But what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at leebardugothefamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. All right, so it's Pride Month, and I don't know about you all, but this Pride doesn't seem quite as much about, yay, celebration as it is about uplifting marginalized voices and reminding ourselves to just, you know, stay vigilant against oppression and hate and to protest and to really just not be complacent. And I know that thanks to the words of a certain famous writer, we are also talking about the importance of uplifting trans women now more than ever. So today I'm going to be talking about two incredible memoirs by trans women. 
And the first is Redefining Realness, My Path to Womanhood, Love, Identity, and So Much More by Janet Mock. So I read this book a couple of years ago as a part of a book exchange and confession. At the time, I had no idea who Janet Mock was. She is a writer who has worked in journalism and TV. She's also a director and activist, and she really became known as an advocate for trans rights when she came out publicly in the magazine Marie Claire in 2011. So this memoir came out in 2014, I believe. So it starts out by talking a bit about her adult life and how she is working, living, passing completely, you know, as a woman. And a lot of people don't really know that she's trans. And then she goes back to her childhood. And so Janet was born in Hawaii, spent the majority of her early years in Hawaii, but she also spent time in California and Texas. So she was kind of all over the place. Her parents separated. Um, She had a bit of a a rough childhood, um, but she always knew that she was different, even if she didn't always have the words to express it. And then when she was in middle school and high school, she really just fell in love with Janet Jackson's work. And as she hit high school, she really began to articulate that she was trans and begin that transition process. But unfortunately, at that time, and honestly, still kind of to this day, um, because trans healthcare is really unaccessible for a lot of people unless they have money, she had to really turn to less conventional routes um, for her transition process. So she was able to obtain hormones outside of a doctor. And for a short while, she worked as a sex worker to fund her transition surgery, which she got overseas as soon as she had enough money. So I think this is just a really great, powerful memoir about not only like the physical barriers to transitioning, but also Janet's emotional journey and how she, you know, related to her family, her complicated relationships with the various people in her family, how she came out to them. Um, She also offers all of the reader like a lot of really great education about what it means to be trans and a lot of the struggles that trans people go through. But at the same time, she is also really careful to contextualize her experiences and emphasize that, you know, this is her journey. This is not every trans person's journey. Um, You know, she can only tell her story. And at the same time, there are a lot of, you know, universal, I think, feelings and truths and experiences to what she went through. And then, of course, as someone who is Black and her mother is Native Hawaiian, she also has, you know, the added layers of dealing with racism on top of transphobia. Um, So her experiences are really complex. And they are also just, you know, presented in a very engaging. And I think, you know, if somebody doesn't know a lot about trans people, this is the type of book that I think you can hand to them and say, hey, read this memoir. You will probably learn a lot. And it's it's totally like a book you could hand to your mom, which is actually something I did. And it's really enlightening for people who just are at the beginning of their journey of understanding more about trans experiences. So I've not read anything else by Janet Mock, but I would definitely be open to it. I think she's a really good writer. And I recently saw her in the Apple TV documentary Visible out on television, which is this really great look at LGBTQ plus people in the history of television. So again, that is Redefining Realness by Janet Mock.
And my second pick is one of my favorite books of 2018, hands down, and it is Real Queer America, LGBT Stories from Red States by Samantha Allen. So this book is part memoir, part road trip story, and it's also part journalistic, I guess, investigation into how queer people who live in rural and conservative areas in the United States live, like what their lives are like, the communities that they find, the challenges that they face. Samantha Allen is a trans journalist, and she's also a former Mormon. So she went on this road trip in the summer of 2017 with a friend of hers, and her intent was to basically hit up conservative areas and small towns and just interview queer people of all gender representations and sexualities about their lives and experiences. And so she's trying to paint a picture of how uh, a diverse body of queer people live in these, I guess, red states. Um, but she was also trying to kind of understand why it seems like queer people aren't moving to the big city. You know, I think so much the narrative is that if you are a queer person and you grow up in a small town, well, as soon as you can, you've got to get out and go to New York City or San Francisco. And that's just not the case with as many queer people these days. So Samantha Allen starts in Utah, which is where she used to live. And then she heads to Texas, Indiana, Tennessee, Georgia, and ends up in Florida, which is, I believe, where she lives or was living at the time. So this is by no means an exhaustive list of all the rural and red states in the U.S., but I really appreciate that in each place she goes to, she really spends time there. She interviews people, but she she goes on day trips with them and she will go out hiking. She'll meet them at their favorite restaurant. She will go out dancing with them. And she just has a lot of really great conversations about their lives, their struggles, uh, their political struggles, the communities that they have like built for themselves within their rural communities, and how they deal with family, whether that's you know, the family that they're born into or creating their own family, raising their own families, um, dating, safety issues, friendships. She just really covers a lot of ground. So I found this book really fascinating and also very affirming as a small town queer myself. And I just found myself nodding along and saying yes at so many passages that I read because I think that Alan gets so much right. And she really does challenge so many stereotypes that I think the media perpetuates, but also that a lot of really nice, like well-meaning, liberal, wonderful people who just happen to live in more suburban and urban places. She challenges those stereotypes that those might people might hold about queer people who live in rural areas. And like, yes, some stereotypes are true. And yes, of course, some people do want to leave because there are limited opportunities, but that's not everyone. And I think that politicians, the queer community, people in general just make a big mistake when they assume that just because a town is small, just because it tends conservative, that like there aren't queer people living in that community. And not only living, but like finding joy and doing amazing things. And whether that's Nebraska or Utah or Michigan, like their lives are interesting and fulfilling. And just as much so as, you know, the queer people who live in LA or Seattle or Chicago, and some of them have no intent of leaving. 
So you also hear how about Alan came out and how she met her wife, which was kind of like the memoir part of the book. And it was just a really nice touch. I think that her personal stories and interviews and then the anecdotes from her trip just really flow together really well. And I absolutely inhaled this book on a cross-country flight. So it is definitely something that I recommend you picking up. It's a very quick read. Um, Plus, it just came out in paperback. So no reason not to go grab it. And that is it for me, book nerds. I hope you are all staying safe and healthy and you're well-stocked with books and you're having a happy Pride Month. And thank you so much to our sponsor for making today's episode possible. If you enjoyed this podcast, please show us some love. Leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other book lovers find us. And if you want to connect with me or see pictures of my books and Very Sassy Cat, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Tears of Price. That is T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. And I will be back next month on a regular episode of All the Books with Liberty and, of course, with more backlist recommendations. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend.